Well, hi, everyone. It is time for the Hallowed Wide Song Diary episode number nine for Fit You In My Mind. Um, as per usual, if you're just tuning in, um, I want to kind of just tell you what to expect. I'm just going to talk a little about uh, kind of the big picture up front and then uh, and then we'll dig into the song in a deep dive kind of a way as I like to. So I was thinking this morning about what I wanted to talk about in this episode. And, you know, if you've been following my work, this won't be the first time that you've heard this, but I've been thinking a lot lately about just medium and, you know, kind of the nature of, you know, my um, path as an artist. And, you know, I don't know, I feel like it's maybe maybe like a, a what do they call it, like a Bader-Meinhof effect where like, as soon as you start thinking about something, you start like seeing it everywhere. But I feel like I've been hearing a ton of artists in all sorts of mediums lately talking about how when you start a new project, it's it's easy for kind of, I think, the general public to think that that means you're, you're thinking about that thing is kind of finished and you're ready to like, you know, bottle it up and send it out. And um, I've heard a lot of artists talking lately about how it's not like that at all. And sometimes, you know, it's like um, you're thinking you have this like nugget of an idea and it's in the process of making the thing that you kind of figure out what it is that you're talking about. Um, you know, of course it's not to say that all artists feel this way, but I certainly do. And as I'm kind of like nearing the end of the hallowed wide as a project, I'm experiencing all kinds of things and like weird revelations and I don't know, it's like a really emotional process. I wish I could like I wish I had better words to like explain what it feels like. Um, but the reason that I wanted to kind of say this up front is that we're getting, we are getting to the end and fit you in my mind is sort of, I think the, the thesis of, of this project and kind of what it means for me. And, um, again, if you're kind of just tuning in, the name of this album is the hallowed wide and the hallowed wide is a metaphor for the very sacred and also kind of uncrossable and unknowable distance between individuals and also between peoples, you know, groups of people, different generations, different um, social groups, people around the globe, um, you know, any kind of like division that you can think of, um, I think it applies and also just, you know, between individuals in a family or coworkers or neighbors or, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but the very first song that I wrote for this album was the penultimate song for the record, which is going to be out in October. And, you know, then kind of wrote the rest of the album, like just kind of piecing things together as I went. And I think, you know, like I was kind of mentioning before, I was discovering what this all meant as I was writing it. And then as I've been releasing it, I feel like I've been discovering like more and I've been thinking about these things more and have been kind of letting them sink into my life and really kind of testing them out. Um, and at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned something about medium. And I think one thing that I'm discovering as an artist is that 
I, and I, it's not the first time I've said this, but I, you know, just to reiterate that I, I'm, I'm increasingly not sure that my medium like is music. I think I've had a gut instinct about that for a long time. Um, but it's kind of just occurring to me very recently to sort of lean into that. So, you know, this podcast is a creative medium for me too. It's not just me like talking about the art that I make, but it is kind of the art itself. And increasingly, I'm just feeling like everything is very porous and like all of the different kind of roles that I play in my own life are starting to all kind of feel like mysteriously like one thing. So hmm, I'm thinking about that and maybe that will be like, you know, a topic of exploration and kind of like the next project that I decide to embark on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of start, you know, doing the research for, you know, the next kind of nebulous thing that I'm, that I'm going to try to build or, um, discover or, you know, whatever, whatever the verb may be. I'm not really sure, but fit you in my mind is extraordinarily important to me. It was, I think the last song that I wrote for this record, I'm like, I'm trying to think if there was anything that could have been after it. And I just, I, I'm, I'm like 95% sure. And more so as I'm thinking about it in this moment, that it's, it's the last song. I think it's possible that I like finished the closer to you bridge after fit you in my mind. But I, but in either way, in either case, like fit you in my mind is either the last or, or, you know, maybe second to last song that I wrote. So even though it's not the last song on the album, it is kind of like the final piece that I, um, that I built and explored for this record. Um, again, I just, I feel like I don't have sufficient words to express like what this piece means to me, but I'm going to do my best to talk through it and have this be its own kind of creative and artful endeavor right now. Um, so just as a little bit of an orientation to where we are in this record. So again, the hallowed wide is a metaphor and the album itself is like a, a fantasy, a fantasy metaphor. So, um, so, you know, the hallowed wide, I imagine it as like a literal place, um, kind of like a, an odd, misty, enchanted canyon. At the beginning of the record, we come up, we come upon this ravine, you know, and, um, and decide to enter. Um, so the, and then cross and then, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler or anything to say that at the end, we're going to come out of it. So there is like one other little twist that I have for you at the end, but I don't think, I don't think that thing I just said is a spoiler. Um, so the, the, the journey across the hallowed wide is divided into four parts, um, in the metaphor and in the kind of like in both levels of the metaphor, I said, I should say. So the, I, I represent these four parts with like this little spell first descend then divide, make it hallowed, make it wide. So first we descend into the hallowed wide and that descent itself is broken down into three parts, um, which are represented in the first three songs of the record. And there's tons of like 
lore and stuff. So if you're listening to this and that sounds exciting to you, um, dig in. Join my mailing list. It's where the best stuff is. But if you are overwhelmed by email, which like, listen, I get it. I personally have like four inboxes that demand way too much of my attention. And that's just the actual email inboxes. In fact, there are five if I count my like faculty inbox, which why wouldn't I count that? Anyway, I'm getting distracted. So um, the descent, first descent, then divide. So the divide is the portion of the journey where we have to let go of things that don't serve us any longer. So the descent is a, a commitment um, to discovery. The divide is a letting go of the parts of ourselves and our paradigms and our worldview that cannot allow us to proceed into deeper connection with the person or persons or peoples that we are trying to reach and understand and connect with. The third part of this of the story of the journey is make it hallowed. And to me, I mean this is I've said it a million times, but this is my favorite part of the record. It's the most magical part of the record. It's the most important part of the record. And basically this is where we examine like what's sacred and mysterious about our fellow humans and kind of teach ourselves to lean in. And then the final part of the journey is make it wide, which we'll talk about starting like next week. So fit you in my mind is the last piece of the make it hallowed portion. And I wanted to say too, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before I've written about it, but I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast. Um, but each the, the third, um, piece of each of these larger four chapters is a surrender. Like in each of the, um, in each of the four parts, like there's kind of additional symbolism. Like if you go down lower into like the three chunks that are in each of the four and at the end of kind of each of these, um, parts of our process, we, we kind of surrender like a level deeper. So at the end of the descent, there's kind of like a, a, a realization that there's going to be more asked of us at the end of the divide. There's kind of a realization that we need to maybe like go deeper is not the right way. We need to just like shift the perspective entirely and kind of like let in something like a little more magical and then fit you in my mind is the, the surrender that kind of leads us to part four. So I'm going to kind of leave us there for now. I'm going to pause and play the song and then jump back in and we'll, we'll dig in. Okay. Here comes fit you in my mind, which is my favorite song on this record. Here comes.
So yeah, Fit You In My Mind was like definitely the toughest nut to crack for me for this record. I labored over it for weeks, like trying to get it right. Um, And I'm excited and scared to talk to you about it. So as I've mentioned before, you know, if I'm talking about the beginning of this song, how it starts, um, when I'm writing a new album, I always use kind of like this table. And as I'm completing the record, um, I write in and like a, like a, like a digital table, like a graph type of a thing, not like a physical surface tabletop. And in the table on the, you know, uh, farthest left column are all the titles of the songs and across the top rows are different parameters about the songs the tempo the groove the key the mood any like instrumentation that I imagine so by the time I get to the last song on the record I'm kind of I've already put myself in like a a narrow space where I want to try not to repeat the key centers of the other songs um this record was the first time that I that I had have written something that's meant to go in a specific order. So I really, I really have been thoughtful with this record about making sure that when you're listening in order, that the, the chord that like each song ends on feels the right way going into the chord or the key center or the tempo of the next song. So I, with, when I was writing fit you in my mind, I had, I knew like how um, the previous song was ending that's bleeding color. And I also knew how the next song was going to begin. And I'll, I'll wait and tell you about that one later. Um, and so I had kind of these fairly narrow parameters and decided that I needed to write this song, um, using like a key center that's kind of like E flat minory, or maybe sort of, um, like a B flat major or something kind of in there. Um, I had some vague ideas of how I wanted the form to be and how I wanted the, um, like harmonic rhythm to be. And with the tempo, I actually tried a few different things with this song. And I even like for a minute was playing around with it being in like a triple meter instead of a, like a duple meter. Um, 
so it went through several iterations. Um, but that's kind of how I began. And then I had this idea. So, um, every time I record one of these, I ask my like private Facebook fan group, um, to submit like any questions or thoughts that they want me to kind of answer or like include on the podcast. And Jaron Davis is always answering. And I just, Jaron, I appreciate you so much. It like, it means so much to me that you're invested and, um, it really makes me feel like so seen. I feel like you just like get my brain and I really appreciate that. But Jaron had asked, one of the questions he asked was, um, whether I like how I thought about this, like call and response idea in the chorus. And like, yes, that was very intentional. And if anything, it was like the one thing that I knew for sure I wanted to do when I started this song. Um, and I had this idea like earlier on in the writing process of the record that I wanted this part of the record. Like I didn't know what the title would be. I didn't kind of know, but I, I knew that I wanted to have this like call and response idea. Um, so that was kind of the one thing that I knew and I wasn't sure how I wanted to do it. Um, but I, I did kind of have this idea of starting the chorus with, I could never fit you in my mind. So I kind of had that. And then listen, you guys, as I'm talking through the rest of this, I really worked on this song for so many weeks that like, I don't, I really, it wasn't linear. <laughs> like I can't tell you like how I did it. Cause it had like, there were many, many rounds of revisions and weird things. So I think what I'll do is just kind of start from the top and just, you know, let you know if I have any like thing that I think might be interesting to you. So, um, this chord progression, um, it's an ascending chord progression, which like I was telling one of my songwriting students a couple of weeks ago, like I love an ascending root progression. I have to like really hold myself back, um, to avoid doing it on like every single song. Um, I let myself get away with it a couple of little times in this record. Um, but this song definitely does it the most. Um, this same chord progression happens in the like intros and interludes in the verses and in the choruses. And then the pre-chorus has a different chord progression. Oh, the bridge is also the original first chord progression. So it's B major, D flat major. So two, two beats each two beats of B major, two beats of D flat major, and then four beats of E flat minor. And the way that this progression feels to me is very like we're climbing and we just keep going back down. Like we just can't seem to get anywhere. Um, which, which really feels appropriate for this song because it's such a puzzle. It's like, you know, if we imagine like the kind of protagonist of this story going through the hallowed wide and having these kinds of like highs and lows, um, the last two songs have been such highs, like Sweet Dream is such a beautiful, like, um, transcendent kind of a thing. And then Bleeding Color has some, like quite a bit of sadness actually, but overall I think it's a very triumphant song. And then, you know, I imagine our character, like, so it, Oh my gosh, I'm like glitching. So the that was real. That wasn't like the recording. I did that glitch in in real life. That was analog. Um in the like story guide. So I so for the listener, I also drew like a fantasy style map to accompany this record to kind of like um help make it a little bit more visual. Um so we can kind of see like what the hallowed wide looks like, like in my mind. Um and at this point in the journey, like when, when we, when we begin the kind of make it hallowed portion, what has happened to our characters? Like, so at the very end of the, 
the divide portion, our character is exhausted, like completely depleted of energy. Um, so much has been taken from them. Um, and they're just feeling like, like a wisp of a person. And basically they kind of like pass out or like fall asleep. Maybe it's like a little, you know, it's magic. So we're not sure. And see themselves kind of like floating like above they so they come to like this river and the river just seems like uncrossable and it's just like it's this kind of devastation of like what can I do now I can't I can't give up anything else and then the kind of you know meaning here is like well that was the wrong premise we don't need to give up anything else we need to we now we need to add some new things and our character like sees themselves kind of floating away from their body that they see kind of like lying on, you know, the, the, the dark side of the riverbank and kind of falls, you know, confused and like befuddled into this sort of fever dream. And then, um, you know, finds themselves, wakes up and finds themselves like sort of transported and like floating above, um, you know, above the river in this, like, it's the dream sequence of the hallowed wide, which like, how could I not include a dream sequence? And then while they're uplifted above, they can look over and see the other side, the the bright side of the hallowed wide. So they know it's there. And then, you know, kind of wake up like again um, on the other side of the river, on the bright side of the river and are in this like beautiful meadow. Walking through the meadow is when we're kind of in bleeding color. And then as we get to the end of the meadow, there's yet another thick forest. And that's where we are at the beginning of fit you in my mind. And we're feeling confused. Like, wait, I don't get it. I thought I had this figured out. And like the hard part of this was over. And then we realize there's like, there's actually, there's a bit more to come. And this is this final surrender. Um, and, and the basic idea is we don't, we, we don't, it doesn't get to be easy. And part of that is because another, another person is not something we can control. So as much as we believe in like the reverence and the sacredness and the beauty and the magic of our fellow humans, like we don't really know what's going on. We don't really know who we can trust and we have to accept that as part of it. That's part of it. And that is difficult for me. So, um, you know, for the listener, like if you want to know more about my personal history, I've written about it a ton, particularly in my last album masks. Um, and you know, these concepts are like, they're very real to me. And these are things that I like deeply struggle with in my own life. I have a tendency to, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a tendency. It's like a, it's like a, it's like my, um, my Achilles heel, maybe <laughs> like as a person, I want to solve all the problems. Um, and the thing that I feel like I'm learning and that I have learned in this, in it throughout this process, or, you know, I, I don't think it's ever like fully learned, but I at least get the, I feel like I get this concept that like, you cannot control other people. <laughs> it's like, it's something that I think I'll probably continue to like battle and struggle with my whole life. Um, 
you can't decide who's going to hurt you. You can't decide who you can trust. And this, you know, we have to learn to find kind of beauty in this tenuousness. So that's kind of where we're situated as a character. Um, and so again, this chord progression kind of coming up and coming down, it's like, we're just stuck on it. We're like, wait, this can't be the answer. Like anything but this, I just really don't want this to be the answer. And then the song is kind of, uh, you know, finding acceptance in this kind of like permanent struggle and it doesn't end the chord progression doesn't ever resolve so um and that's kind of again it's the point so okay um that's the kind of hook at the beginning this vocal hook that's kind of like um there's a lot of like gasping kind of in it and it has these big jumps like these big interval jumps this also is kind of like symbolic of um this same kind of feeling so i'm i'm pretty sure i wrote that hook like at the beginning like, i'm pretty sure it was the first thing i wrote i maybe like tweaked it a little later but i think that was the first kind of melody okay then um verse one so verse one is kind of a taking stock like i get it we come with every kind of longing, we as perfect little babies, like perfect little human babies, you know, such an interesting and like peculiar species that we are. We come to the world with just every kind of longing, like we want so many things. And we come with every kind of fear. Um, and I don't know if this like, you know, I, I wrote this kind of vague on purpose because like, I feel like it means different things. So, you know, it could be like we come into the world or like we come to a relationship. We come to each new problem. We, we show up all over our lives with every kind of longing and every kind of fear, which is so complicated. I mean, that's just complicated. Like it doesn't need to be explained more. We have so many wants and we have so many fears. We come and go and wonder how it could go wrong. Um, we're always, I mean, maybe this is me. Maybe I'm just like projecting, but I'm always wondering how it could go wrong. And I, I suspect others are too. We come and we go from every interaction, from every relationship, from every phase of our lives. And we just think, where, when's the other shoe going to drop? We wonder, what are we missing? Wonder who to believe. Wonder how to take it. Um, I really like this last line because... It has like a, a dual meaning. Um, wonder how to take it. I assume that the first meaning people will kind of um, hear is like wonder how to take it as in, as in wonder how to withstand it. Like I don't know. How, I don't know if I can take if I can take this, or I don't know how how I will be able to take this. But the actual meaning that I meant first is like how, how am I supposed to take that? Like, you know, if someone else says something to you and you're, or does something or you see something and think like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, how do I take that? Like, do I take that as a compliment? Do I take that as an insult? Do I take that as permission? Do I take that as, um, a sign to give up? And I, I love that, like wonder how to take it. Um, we're just confused. You know, we just don't know. Like, I feel like confusion is like a permanent um, confusion and, and uncertainty is like a permanent, um, state of being for, for any humans who are mindful. I, I believe that I, I understand that that's like subjective and that's like my opinion. Um, but, but I do really believe firmly that uncertainty actually is a way of being whether or not we, uh, individually like realize it. <laughs> like I think lots of people 
like to walk around feeling very certain because it's much more comfortable than all of this. And this is my point. Like I kind of believe that if we feel certain, we aren't able to deeply connect with others. So the premise of this whole story and the kind of thesis of this whole story is we cannot really deeply connect with others unless we understand that there is inherent uncertainty and risk. Um, okay, so that's first one. Then the pre-chorus has new chords. Um, I don't have like too many specific thoughts about these chords. They don't mean anything. Um, these particular chords just... I, I kind of wrote them like along with the melody, just kind of responding to what I felt like the melody needed, but they are a contrast. Um, I guess that's the only kind of important thing. And they feel maybe unsure in a different way. Um, it starts with a minor chord, which kind of sets us in like a bit of a, a, a more humble place perhaps. So the first pre-chorus, how do we know we know, how do we know we know enough? Um, and I think I mean about a person, about a situation, like, how do you know when you've seen enough of a person to trust them? How do we know it's safe to trust? How do we know we know enough? How do we know it's safe to trust? And I would say the answer is you don't and you can't. Through a crack in the shell, we try to make out who's inside. The more I see, the more I realize I don't know who you could be. Um, Jaren had also asked about this metaphor Hmm. I don't know, Jaren. I can't remember. Um, I mean, I think I, I think it just feels intuitive. Like it does feel like that. It's like every person that you try to kind of get to know, it's like you see this little, you see this, this little crack, like of what they've kind of decided to let you see. Cause you know, of course, anyone you're dealing with, I mean, sociopaths aside, like they also are trying to like figure out if they can trust you. <laughs> like it's a really, really tricky um, premise to try to, you know, both like two humans or, or two groups trying just little by little, you know, any, any time you open up that, that crack a little more, it it's open both ways. Like you can't open it only one way. You might be able to do something that looks like you're opening it one way, but you really can't. So, you know, as we open ourselves up to let our, to let, you know, ourself out to someone else, we also let that person in and that's, it's very, very risky. So I think it's just, I think it's, it's not even so much a metaphor as it is just like, the truth. <laughs> like, you know, it's just kind of like the necessary truth through a crack in the shell. We try to make out who's in there. Like we try to see like, what can I figure out? Like what's under there? But the trick is the more we see, the more we realize we just don't know because people are fucking mysterious. Um, this first line, I don't know who you could be. Um, I really, really like this line of the chorus. Um, because it, it again has kind of two meanings. It kind of means I don't know who you could be right now. And it also means like, I don't know who you could become. I don't know what your potential is. And I don't know who you are right now. I don't know who you've been in the past. Um, okay, then this chorus has this like a duo thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll read the lower part first, because it feels like kind of the lead part. So it goes, I could never fit you in my mind. Like this kind of realization, this like shocking, like, 
bone chilling realization. Oh my God, I can never fit you in my mind. I can never know who you are. I could never, I could never understand. And, and it's, it's, um, it's beautiful too, right? Like the sweet dream, uh, the things we laid out in sweet dream and the things we laid out in bleeding color both imply that every person is like this beautiful mystery. Like we contain multitudes. And so if that's true, then not only can we never really know someone because, you know, I don't know, they can't tell us, but also like, there's just so much, there's so much to every person that, you know, we spend enough time trying to know who we are. Um, how could we possibly ever fit? Like these, these words are, um, intentional. I cannot fit another person in my mind because they are too big. They are too vast and they are too unknowable and ever changing and ever evolving, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I could never fit you in my mind. So we're going to have to try to find another way to love. If love means knowing someone really, really well, um, I don't know, this premise can't mean that. <laughs> and that's kind of what I think. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I, I think I, I think I'm taking a crack at it here. Um, but like there is more exploration to come on this matter for me anyway. Um, but we're going to have to try to find another way to love. We're going to have to build love on something else. And I think the answer is like this mutual respect of like each person's mystery. Um, the fact that each person contains multitudes and the fact that each person is very, very likely to change and evolve over time. I could never fit you in my mind. So we're going to have to try to find another way to love. Then we're asking, can it be enough to want to know the whole, you know, you'll never know. Um, I posted these lyrics on Instagram, just this line, can it be enough to want to know the whole, you know, you'll never know. And several, I like, I just feel, I love this line. And I, and then several people commented and were like, I had an aneurysm reading that or like, I'm so confused. And I was kind of like, oh shit. Like, yeah, that line is confusing out of context, but like, I hope it makes sense in context. Um, can like, I'm really asking and like, I'm really not sure. Can it be enough for me? Is it enough? Can I, so the previous question, the previous kind of thought is we're going to have to try to find another way to love. So can I define love as the wanting to know a person who I know I can never really know? And I think that's the working definition that I have of love lately in many ways, um, of people, of ideas, of things, of, um, different endeavors, um, fields of study, like anything. Can it be enough to want to know the whole, I know I'll never know. Um, and wanting to know and investing time and investing care and paying attention. I think that might be what love is or one kind of love anyway. Um, can it be enough to want to risk it? It could hurt, but I don't want to miss it. And I really feel that way. <laughs> like, and you know, my therapist and my loved ones, like, you know, the, the people who in my life, who I think 
try to be safe for me. And I, and I'm, I say that with like the utmost generosity, you know, I don't know that we can, that any of us can ever really be safe for another person again. That's kind of the point, but the people in my life who I do trust, um, often say things to me like, you know, Emily, like, why do you keep kind of opening yourself up to this kind of thing? And I feel very like, I hear what you're saying, but also like, this feels important to me. Like it feels like an area of discovery to me and it feels like a risk that I have to take. So I don't know, I'm 30, I'm 34. So like, I've got plenty of time in my life to like continue to explore these ideas. But right now that's where I'm at. So again, I could never fit you in my mind. So we're gonna have to try to find another way to love. Can it be enough to want to know the whole, you know, you'll never know can it be enough to want to risk it? It could hurt, but I don't want to miss it. So that's the one part. Then the other part, I don't know who you could be. And again, who you are right now and who you could become. I don't know how you could see me through all this blurring. And I think this also has a double meaning. Um, how, as in like, how could you possibly see through all this blurring and the blurring? I mean, if it's not implied, it's just it's just necessary. So, um, this podcast is called artifice and I talk about this a lot. Artifice, you know, this word is related to the word artificial, which I think often has a negative connotation. Um, I like to think of this word as just a necessary, it's like a, again, a radical acceptance kind of thing. There is artifice in every person intentional or otherwise. And I think a lot of the time it's not intentional, but it exists because like, we are unknowable and unseeable to each other. Um, we have different backgrounds. We have different chemistry, you know, like our literal, like, you know, DNA makeup is different and, and our experiences of the world for every nature and nurture reason are unknowable to one another. We, um, we come together in these like little moments where we understand and see each other. And then, you know, there are moments where we cannot and, and the people we've known our whole lives can suddenly feel like a stranger in, in a moment. Um, so I don't know how you could possibly be able to see me through all this blurring. Um, and then the second meaning is like, how do you see me? You know, like, how are you seeing me? And it's this deep fear that other people are going to misunderstand us. Uh, I have a very, very intense fear of people misunderstanding me. Um, you know, for the listener, the short summary is I was raised by narcissists who gaslighted me every day of my life, um, and just misunderstood me and misunderstood my intentions. And, you know, I, I don't know, I just, it's a, it's a deep, deep, deep abiding fear of mine of being misunderstood, misinterpreted, um, not taken at my word, not taken at my own intentions. So, you know, like, how could you possibly see me? Like, how could you even be able to see me, even if your intentions were perfect? And also, like, how am I looking to you? Like, how must I be looking to you through all of this blurring, through all of my guardedness, through all of my, like, fucked up, you know, maladaptive behaviors and coping mechanisms and, um, you know, weird idiosyncrasies and, like, you know, uh, very particular cultural contexts, um, like, I can't imagine how you must see me. Does that make sense? Like, it's kind of two meanings. I don't know who you could be. I don't know how you could see me through all this blurring. 
I don't know how you could love me. This line has a really tender double meaning as well. Again, I don't know how you could possibly love me. And also, I don't know all the beautiful ways that you could love me if I let you. I don't know like how, like what that would be like. I don't know how you, you could love me. Um, I think the first meaning, like how could you possibly love me is the one that will, will, um, likely hit people first. But I hope, I hope that you hear that other meaning too. This really, really tender meaning. I don't know how beautifully you could love me. And I don't know how you could hurt me. And again, there's a double meaning. I don't know. I don't know the ways in which you could hurt me. And it could really, really hurt. You could really, really hurt me. And also, like, how could you possibly hurt me? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a good and a tender and like a valuable person. How could you possibly want to hurt me? How could you possibly try to hurt me? And all of these um, dual meanings in this kind of top line, this kind of like descant line, are like really, really tender to me. And I hope that you can like feel that them that way as well. Okay, verse two is a little more intimate. I feel the storm behind your whisper. So this is maybe a verse that's like a little bit more about a specific person who you're already intimate with. When you know someone really well, you know, for example, you can tell if they're upset, even if they're not showing any kind of typical signs of upset. And this is just one example. This is just the one that I tried, that I decided to use because I think it's powerful. Um, but it could be anything. You know, I hear, I, I see like the pain under your laugh. I see the anger under this whisper or like a storm behind a whisper could also be like a passion, you know, like a, like a conviction, um, anything like, you know, I, I can, I can imagine this duality. I can imagine there being something else. And sometimes with someone you know well, you can see it and you know. I feel the storm behind your whispers. I know the frailty of a flame. And that feels more to me like a, a deep love and a deep connection. It can go out so quickly. We've all experienced this. It can just be gone. Like you have one conversation with a friend and you just realize in this moment, we can't come back from this. Or you have a falling out with a, a partner um, we all know, we all have had these heartbreaks. So anytime we're entering a new relationship, we're aware that this, these things can happen. How fearsome. And I love, I love this word. I've never used this word in a lyric before, I think to the best of my knowledge, but it is, it is a beautiful word. How fearsome to behold and hold you for today. Um, I like this word behold. I try to, I use it a lot. It feels very particular to me and it feels like something that's, that's really important to me. Like I, I want to try to behold others, like really behold, really try to see, really try to understand. Um, again, that's, I think what love means to me. I said it before in this chorus, like, can it be enough to want to know how fearsome to behold and hold you, you know, like, like to literally like wrap your arms around someone or to hold their secrets or to hold their, you know, um, to, to hold their kind of attention or, or to be a person who's receiving, um, who's paying attention or, or receiving attention in these really vulnerable moments, how fearsome to behold and hold you for today when you are made of elastic guaranteed to change. Um, 
I'm just thinking about this now. I haven't thought about this in a really long time, but there was a period really, really early on in this writing process before I had even started writing any songs where I thought that I might call this album elastic. Like it was a, it was a, it was a, a feeling that I was thinking about a lot as I started writing this, this idea of stretching toward another person, stretching ourselves. Um, and I just ultimately decided it, it wasn't the right metaphor, but it still feels like part of this conversation. And so I wanted to include that word here and I really saved it. Like this word elastic, I was attempt, I was tempted to use this word in several other songs on this record and I saved it for this piece. Um, you're made of elastic. You're not even like, you know, susceptible to change. You're guaranteed to change. We're guaranteed to change in some way or another. Ho hopefully, I think in many ways. Um, how fearsome to behold and hold you for today when you're made of elastic, guaranteed to change. There's so much fear and also so much honor there. Um, fearsome feels like a biblical kind of a word. It feels really big. It feels like awesome used to feel or like was supposed to feel. Um, it's, it's big. It's, it's, it's reverent and terrified or something. And I, I feel that way about it. I feel this way with my close friends and I feel this way with Andrew, my husband. Um, I love him so much. I love him like in such a, a fierce kind of a way. And it's something that I'm learning. We've, we've been together 13 years now and, it's something that I feel like I'm learning to to hold with great kind of tenderness and honor that like he is a person who is going to change. It terrifies me and I'm also so proud of it and so kind of hopeful about it. And the duality of that feeling of like, who are you going to turn into and like what could happen and where, and where, where will it leave me? Will you leave me behind? Will I leave you behind? Like what could happen? And just being committed to like be there for fucking all of it. Um, it's terrifying. Like I'm not even remotely over it, but again, that's the point. <laughs> that's kind of the point to kind of sit in that, in that terror and that honor at the same time. I'm so honored to be close with the people that I'm close with. Even if it means like we might not always be that close. Like, I don't know. It's big. It's a big, scary thing. And that's that forest that we're going back into. Like we're in this beautiful meadow where we've started seeing someone and really understanding and really appreciating and then going like, oh shit, like the rug could come out from under me at any time. And like, yes, it could. And that's it's part of it, I think. Um, how fearsome to behold and hold you for today when you're made of elastic, guaranteed to change. Can anybody tell me, how do we know when to call it love? This is one that's like such a personal pet, pet, like peeve or like pet thing of mine. You know, I like, I like, um, I like watching the bachelor and the bachelorette. It's like a, it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. You know, people make fun of these shows, but like, I swear to God, there's like, there's so much like humanity in there if you look for it, people, they are real people like, you know, scripted or not. Um, you're gonna see glimpses of things in that show that are real, that are really real. Um, you know, like, a um, manufactured as they are. And I always think it's funny how people talk about, they use this word love. Like, I think I'm falling in love with you. Like I'm beginning to fall in love with you. I feel like I could fall in love with you. I'm in love with you. Um, 
I, you know, we told, I told this person, I love them. And I just, I just find this whole, uh, policing of the word love, like ridiculous. Um, I think you can, you can fall in love with someone in a day and that can be real, you know, like love is this big thing and you can see a little spark of something in someone that you love, that you actually love. Um, I don't think that they're, I don't think these things are linear. Like I think there are little flashes of it. Um, how do we know when to call it love? I don't know. When you feel something that feels like love, go ahead and fucking call it love. That's what I think anyway. Um, like I don't, I don't want to police this word for myself. I want to let it come and go and declare it whenever I think it's real. And I think there's all different kinds of, of love and, you know, if you feel that thing of like seeing someone of wanting to see someone, I think that's love and you can call it love whenever you want. But again, like as a group, as a culture, how do we know when to call it love? How do we know when we've given enough? Um, this line implies lots of things. I think one meaning one, one implication is, you know, if you're going to give up on someone, if you're going to decide to leave, if you're going to say, this isn't working for me anymore, how do we know when we have given enough? Um, with a broken signal, you try to sort the static from the words. The more we hear, the less we're sure. And it's just, it's similar to this other pre-chorus. Um, through, a crack in the shell, it, through a crack in the shell, we try to make out who's inside the more I see, the more I realize this is visual, like it's a visual metaphor. With a broken signal, you try to sort the static from the words. This one is like like audible, auditory. The more we hear, the less we're sure. Um, and then the chorus is the same. The bridge is one of my favorite like chunks of lyrics I've ever written. I love it so much. <laughs> um, the bridge says, every time we miss it, it being connection. Every time we miss it, every little bit of it slipping away, was it worth the risk of losing it all when it didn't fit, when I couldn't fit it in my mind, when we couldn't sit a minute in the thick of it? And like, you know, for anyone who knows me at all, this is like an indictment of my parents for sure. But also any, anytime someone just left you, dropped you, um, or dropped a conversation. I mean, this is definitely also like a a, a racism conversation, a homophobia conversation. If it doesn't fit, if it doesn't, if, it, if you don't get it right away, like your first instinct isn't like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I totally understand. Your first instinct is like, wait, I'm confused. I can't really understand. It doesn't, you can't quite fit it in your mind, can't fit it in your heart. And it's not worth it to you to sit for a minute in the thick of it, in this messy, messy feeling. I think, I mean, I feel I feel judgment <laughs> toward people who behave this way. And maybe that's something I need to like work out later. Um, I think, I think I've mentioned this before, but I took a Myers-Briggs test several years ago and I know Myers-Briggs is like not any more re reliable than like astrology, but I find it to be meaningful and helpful to me. My Myers-Briggs, um, result is INTJ and I don't need to get into it, but the J mean the J stands for judgment, meaning like you have a clear sense of like right and wrong and, and can be judgmental of people who you think are wrong. And when I first 
um, got that, I kind of like the I and T all felt very like, yes, this makes perfect sense to me. And the J I was kind of had a little side eye at, like, I'm not judgmental, but like I am, I think I am. Um, I'm judgmental of people who aren't patient with others. I'm judgmental of people who aren't curious. Um, and this bridge is that, um, So I'll read it again. Every time we miss it, every little bit of it slipping away, was it worth the risk of losing it all when it didn't fit, when we couldn't sit a minute in the thick of it? Um, I don't know. I think it's perfect. And also, can I just point out how many words in this, in this, this just tiny, tiny little chunk of music have an I sound. Every time we miss it, miss it, every little bit of it, slipping away was it worth the risk of losing it all when it didn't fit when we couldn't sit a minute in the thick of it and I just oh my gosh I feel like a rapper would be proud of me for this this internal internal rhymes I'm really into it and I hope you like it too and then the final chorus that's it, you guys. That's fit you in my mind. Okay, I'm going to pull up um, Jaren's questions and make sure I got everything. I tried to have it pulled up before I started, but I failed. Um, you're just, I'm not going to edit this. I'm not going to edit it. So I'm just, you're just going to have to wait for one second while I pull it up. Okay, here it is. Um, okay, Jaren, some of these I'm sure I've already answered. Um. Yeah. He asks, um, what does this song mean to me? What's my story in relationship with this song? I think I answered that. I think I answered that. Can it be enough to want to know the whole, you know, you'll never know. He loves this line. What does it mean to me? I talked about that. Um, oh, this is my favorite thing. Jaren said, I feel like this song is a love song, a song of uncertainty, vulnerability, longing, and faith in the other. Do I see it that way? This is such a beautiful question. I, I feel so seen. Um, and it's funny, Jaren, that you use this word faith because literally in the last week, I have had several conversations with people about the word faith. And, you know, uh, so I grew up Mormon, um, for anyone who doesn't already know me. And this is something that I have been like trying to integrate because, you know, some people who grow up Mormon and then end up leaving Mormonism will say to you, like, I never really believed it. I never really got it. My husband, Andrew, is one of those people. Um, in fact, we were we found like an old journal of his from when he was like a like 13, like a little baby teenager. And he had written in this journal, like, I don't know if I believe in God. <laughs> and like, I just was not that way. I was like a full, full, deep, true believer. And I think I frequently feel misunderstood or some kind of an imposter syndrome because I feel like my like, you know, in the church Mormon self and my out of the church self, like they seem, it seems confusing to people. It doesn't feel confusing to me, but I, but I've struggled a lot in the last couple of years to try to put my finger on like what, why it is that it makes sense. And it's this, it's like, it's, it's two things. It's fucking earnestness and faith. And I feel like faith is something that I come by honestly as a person. I believe in things like easily. I believe in things like hard and, and I trust easily in a lot of ways, which is, it seems maybe a little counterintuitive, 
for someone who's like as kind of thinky and like investigative as I tend to be and like as curious as I tend to be and like just reclaiming this feeling of faith. Like I had a friend right when I was leaving the church who she, she's still in the church and I, I doubt she would even remember like having this conversation with me, but it like it, I felt it like viscerally and we were talking it was, it was again, like right as I was like kind of officially leaving the church and sort of like coming out as like a, you know, non-believer to my friends. And, um, she said something to me like, well, I just do, you know, X, Y, Z, and that's how I stay faithful. And the way that she worded that, like it, it like hurt me. Like it, like it, it, it hurt my feelings. Like it was a little heartbreaking because I thought like, I'm not not faithful. Like I'm a very faithful person in every sense of the word. I'm really, really like loyal, maybe almost to a fault. And I'm full of faith. Like I'm full of optimism. And I've been talking a lot lately, like with close friends and my podcast guests about this idea of faith. And like, I really want to kind of like reclaim this word from religion um, because it's, I think it's bullshit that religion gets to own this like beautiful word um, because I think faith is a beautiful virtue and having faith in a person, having faith in a loved one is a really beautiful thing. So um, Jaren, I really appreciate you saying that. And this song absolutely is a love song. This is like a higher level love song, I think. Um, you know, quicksand is the surrender portion of the um, the first descend part of this story. And quicksand is a love song. Um, there's a sweet dream, I think, is like such a love song. Bleeding color is a love song. There's love all over this record. And fit you in my mind is like the most, the most love song. And like, if you're a person who knows me in real life, just know that like I am doing my fucking best to love you in this kind of a way and I'm not perfect at it I notice it all the time like one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is just like getting getting better at doing these things a little more quickly because I'm a person I get scared I get hurt um I get insecure um I get feeling defensive um and I'm, I'm, I'm really working on getting better at like recognizing those things quickly and making amends quickly and being kind of like radical, like maybe breaking some social rules in the, in the process. And, you know, I'll, um, I would love to like elaborate on these experiments at a future date. Um, but anyway, yeah. And then uh, Jaren asks about these metaphors. We had talked about this crack in the shell, storm behind your whispers, broken signal, um, he asks, like, can you speak to the creation process behind these or how the lyrics came to you on the whole? Yeah. And I, I, I know you, I remembered that you had asked this. Um, and I think, I hope I've answered these, these metaphors just feel really real to me. Like they feel really visceral to me. Um, even just in terms of words, like the words we use mean different things. Like even this word faith, you know, like it makes perfect sense to me that someone who's like left a, a high, high demand religion, um, would not want to have the word faith back. Like that makes perfect sense to me. And like, I have beef with the word peace, which is maybe kind of weird. Like, I think a lot of people like who've left religion, like use the word peace and the word peace just feels loaded to me. Like it just feels kind of the connotation of the word peace is kind of like 
gross to me. Like it, it feels to me like a false, um, it feels to me like inhib, like a, what's the opposite of inhibition or like, what am I trying to say? I don't know. I'm confused about that word right now. Um, but peace feels to me like a prison, like it's trapped a little, like we're performing calm. Um, instead of maybe being actually at peace. Um, and I'm more into like trying to feel like calm during chaos, which I think is, feels more accurate to me. And like, you know, it's probably because of like the, the way my family uses the word peace, like that word is just, it's not a word I'm interested in reclaiming. Um, but I'm like going on a, I'm rambling here, but all this to say, you know, like when we're talking about like the, the, the static and the broken signal, um, trying to sort the static from the words, like the static is like my own, like with the word peace or the word faith, the static is like our own connotations with those words. Um, and the broken signal is like, the same thing. Like we we speak, like, it's just, it's broken. <laughs> like we speak with these like, um, you know, coded language, even if we don't mean to, it's again, this kind of like unintentional artifice. Like you don't know how the person you're talking to, you don't know their history with the words you're saying. You don't know what like body language means to someone else. You don't know if like, like one thing that I, that I've been, um, thinking about lately too, you know, I'm in this wedding band and I've had a lot of pushback from like, um, you know, different kind of like marketing, like advice types of things on whether or not I should talk about like the teaching that I do or the, um, gigging, like the wedding band work that I do, like in my kind of greater art work. And I feel like, how can I not? Because like, this is where these things are real to me. Um, but when I'm at weddings, um, you know, sometimes like a wedding planner, like just fucking reminds me of my mom. Like she just looks like my mom and her mannerisms are like my mom. And like, I have to work really hard not to treat someone who reminds me of my mom, like weirdly, <laughs> like I have to really try. Um, and it's not even like, it's not like they're reminding me of my mom in the sense that like, I think they're a narcissist. They remind me of my mom. Like they have the same kind of hair as her, you know, or like just, they move their hands in a similar way. And it's triggering for me. Um, and I'm sure like I, I sometimes feel that I'm triggering something in someone else. Like I kind of will think like the way this person is interacting with me, like I feel like it has nothing to do with me. So these are these like cracks in the shell, these like broken signals, like we just will never understand each other. Um, and so, yeah, these metaphors feel just like, I didn't have to think hard about them because they just feel like obvious to me. <laughs> like they just feel like I can't think of a better way. Like I can't think of like a more literal way to even really say it. And then Jaren asks, um, was the call and response of uncertainty and taking the risk in the chorus intentional? And yes, there's so much uncertain uncertainty in it. And, uh, yeah, it's the whole point. And then Jaren, you're such a darling. I just, I like need to meet you in person someday and like just give you a hug because I feel like you're like my brother. I feel like you're just like a like one of those like soulmate kinds of people. Like we just share a similar thread and like <laughs> for anyone who's listening and you're like, hey, I feel like I understand you, Emily. Like reach out. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Um, but uh, but Jaren is the person who answered this particular question. So I'm like, I'm talking to him about this. Um, he wrote this, he, he writes these like stream of consciousness um, thoughts on my YouTube videos. 
And I feel like there was like something that he had said that I wanted to read to you. Um, okay. He says, uh, sorry. Okay. He says, um, I love the respect and love for the other and how they might change though this also causes uncertainty. There's so much love in this song. And I kind of feel, Jaren, like with this line, I kind of feel like I maybe I didn't need to write this whole song. Maybe I just needed, maybe like this two, these two sentences are plenty. I love the respect and love for the other and how they might change, though this also causes uncertainty. It's just like such a perfect wrap up. I read that this morning and thought like, I need to read that. I need to read that on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then finally, let me just talk a little bit about the recording process and the video. Cause this matters too. And I sometimes like, I forget to talk about it. Jed, who's my producer and another soulmate person. Um, we had a hard time cracking this song too. Like, uh, we like, I feel like there were several times in this record where I came into the studio and was like, Jed, like, are we in a fight? Are we okay? And this song definitely like it took a minute for us to get it right and for him to kind of see my vision. And I I just I just want to like express gratitude for that. And I also just want to let you know, the listener, that like there's work here, like there's labor and like emotional vulnerability b- between so many people making this thing. Um, so um, so I really appreciate Jed like taking time and like showing like a a type of a love for me by like taking patience and like listening to me and like working through this instead of kind of getting mad and thinking that I was like being a diva or something. Um, so, uh, so Jed did all the production. The only real, the only like analog instruments on this song are the vocals, which are all me. And we really like worked hard in the studio. Um, to build something beautiful, like recording all of these like breath sounds that are kind of layered in. And then also like the way the studio was set up, we have these like big foam blocks, like to kind of, uh, direct the sound waves. And like, we recorded a bunch of like me kind of like hitting those foam blocks. Like we just felt compelled by that sound. Um, and then like Jed is, does such beautiful work with like panning. So these, you know, if you lit like, please at some point listen to this record like in stereo with like stereo speakers or like in headphones um because like jed has done some really really gorgeous work with the panning um so that you'll hear certain things in the left ear and the right ear um and then finally we had aaron ashton um record violins for this piece and and they are so beautiful like the violin is just like the kind of added kind of call and response of the violin. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't know what to say other than like, it's just precious to me. Um, and then, you know, you can listen for other little clues in the background vocals. Like you can hear, especially toward the end of the song, additional kind of layers, um, of like background vocals with lyrics kind of being like added in underneath to kind of reinforce different meanings. So you can, you can listen to all of that. Um, and then finally, I wanted to talk about making this these videos with Ryan, who is, I mean, I just at this point, I feel like I only want to work with people that I feel like are my soulmates. And I just love Ryan so much. And I just feel so much like love from him too. And when we had the meeting, we, he and I met to like brainstorm about these things. And 
we kind of talked about like using a kaleidoscope lens for this video and it just feels so right. It is just this blurring and this fracturing and like this kind of confusion in this video is like darker than like the other videos in this sequence. Um, Shauna Turner, who does my hair and makeup, you know, I just, I was saying to her earlier this week, um, or last week that we had done this hair and makeup, you know, this look that's just really bright and kind of like angelic and heavenly. It kind of is like a bit of like a, like a Madonna vibes, like not Madonna, the singer, but like Madonna, like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, like, kind of an angelic, like I'm wearing like a, like a, a, a crown that kind of looks like a, like a sun rays, like old Renaissance paintings of like a halo over the head. And it's also kind of like this rebirth kind of a thing. There's like Shauna glued, um, like dried flowers to my face. And, um, you know, so it's kind of this like rebirth, this like, you know, wood, wood nymph kind of a vibe, like all this innocence. And then we get to see this look like dark in this song and it just takes on like a whole new meaning that I just find really mysterious and special. So I wanted to just thank um, Ryan for like, you know, being willing to kind of go there with me with this like weird vision and using this kaleidoscope lens and then being such a, just a fucking genius with like the way he's using light and um, being, you know, really such a generous like director of me um helping me kind of like just help, helping me know what to do because I'm not you know a model or an actress you know um and giving me like instructions and I just I'm so grateful for it and I do feel like it's this kind of microcosm of like this exact same kind of love and like these this kind of effort like all of this effort with all, those of us who worked on this you know Jed and I working with Aaron the violinist in the studio um trying to write violin parts and, you know, like just so many people kind of coming together and like exposing themselves in these vulnerable ways, bringing their like, um, you know, talents and their emotions and their, you know, deep selves, like to the surface to kind of meet in the middle of this project. It's radical. Like it is fucking radical and it shouldn't be like understood any other way. Um, and it should be like felt as this, true like labor of love and and a labor like a work a work that is love and that's what this that's what the hallowed wide is about and that's what fit you in my mind is about like we're all different people we can't see each other's vision we have to try to kind of understand it and get at it through these broken signals and little cracks in our shells and to have the vulnerability to do that is just it's so brave and it's really beautiful and it's something that I wish that like the general public could understand about art and artists um see also the show severance which I binged this week I watched all nine episodes in a row like I finished them at like 7 30 in the morning um and it also feels like um related to these things so anyway I'm like that was a real turn that I just took at the end but if you are listening, as per usual, I fucking love you. Thanks for being here. It means so much to me. That feels radical too. Um, I really mean it. Like this is a this is an album, and like I know that. I know it's just like this is this is a, a an album, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and this is just one little thing. But I do feel like it is. It's big for me. And I think that's the point, you know, it's big for me and the people who worked on it and the people who are 
who who do feel kind of reached by it. And I think, you know, that's just it's just me putting out my little signal. And I think we all like need to put out our little signals. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of the point. So with that said, we close the make it hallowed chapter of the hallowed wide and we cross over into the make it wide section starting next week. And then we're going to finish this project, which is going to leave me feeling odd. So anyway, we'll get through it together, I guess. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to take, no, I took last Tuesday off next week. I'll have another episode for you. And this conversation with my guest that's coming out next week, it's really perfectly timed. It's like very beautifully related to this. And again, it's this big art project. Like I want you to hear and see that like all these things are related. I did this interview with this person in like March, I think like a long time ago and it's coming out now and like the timing just feels perfect. And I can't wait for you to hear it. And I can't wait for all the rest of the things that are to come. Okay. Happy Tuesday. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.